It has been 1,352 days since the 2016 presidential election. And Hillary Clinton is still complaining about how she did not win. And more than that, she is still peddling a conspiracy theory that she was cheated out of the White House by Trump, by Roger Stone, by, worst of all, Russia, by collusion. Here is her cockamamie theory. Well, I think it's pretty clear that Stone threatened him. Uh, He probably threatened him privately, but he also threatened him publicly about what he would say if he uh, had to go to prison. And this is a continuation of the cover-up. It's an ongoing uh, cover-up that uh, Trump and Stone are two of the major participants in to try to prevent us from knowing all of the details about what they actually did in 2016. Uh, Some of it was very public. I mean, asking Russia in public uh, to uh, interfere in an American election, but some of it was um, clandestine, behind the scenes, sending messages, the kinds of things that uh, we know about, and I think much more. Uh, So what he did was to use the awesome power of commutation as part of the pardon power of the president uh, to basically shut up Roger Stone uh, so that Roger Stone would not uh, spill any more beans about what actually happened and how much Donald Trump actually knew. Roger Stone and Donald Trump must get so much pleasure out of watching this woman dissemble like this because it was Stone, it was Trump, it was Putin, it was Boris, it was Natasha, it was everybody's fault but her own. And so she's now attacking Trump for using the pardon power. Do you know how many times Trump has used the pardon power, the power of commutation? 36 times. Do you know how many times Hillary Clinton's husband used the pardon power and power of commutation? 456 times. One of the most famous abusers of the pardon power ever for political reasons. Hillary says there was a conspiracy to hurt her, keep her out of the White House. In fact, we know there was a proven conspiracy to try to keep Trump out of the White House through the politicization of the FBI and DOJ. The problem was that conspiracy didn't work. Lots of double standards going on here between how the mainstream apparatus, the establishment, big tech, news media are treating the leftist conspiracy theories compared to the right ones. We will plunge the depths of conspiracy. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Not all conspiracies are made equal. Some are a little more dangerous than others. Who is Mr. Q? Who is the Q? Have you heard of Q? Q is the most dastardly, awful, terrible conspiracy theory in the whole wide world. It's so bad that Twitter is going to start banning accounts that talk about it. Talk about that thing that I don't really know very much about. Twitter tweets out yesterday, it's from Twitter Safety, the Committee for Safety. You've got to watch out. You're in danger because you might read words that you don't like. We've been clear that we will take a strong enforcement action on behavior that has the potential to lead to offline harm. In line with this approach, this week we are taking further action on so-called QAnon activity across this service. QAnon. I don't know very much about QAnon. We get some questions about it sometimes, but I, I haven't looked into it particularly deeply. But from what I gather from the Twitter safety tweet, This is a very dangerous conspiracy theory, very dangerous conspiracy theory that is percolating 
on the right. And so they've got to shut down any account that's in any way associated with it. But I notice Twitter safety doesn't care that much about dangerous conspiracy theories percolating on the left that lead to offline harm. For instance, there is a conspiracy theory out there held on the left by, you know, kind of kooky people on the left that black people are the real Jews and the Jews are the fake Jews. You would have seen this conspiracy theory just in the last week because Nick Cannon very famously endorsed this theory. Louis Farrakhan, who is a hate monger, who's still on Twitter, by the way. These people have promoted this idea. Sometimes you see people on street corners talking about it, but you've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about it. And then actually when Nick Cannon was forced to make an apology, a lot of the responses to that tweet said, come on, stand up. You had the truth. Tell the truth. So that's also a conspiracy theory, by the way, that has led to violence in the real world. We know for a fact that's led to outside harm. Twitter doesn't care about that one. Here's another conspiracy theory on the left. Racist cops are systematically slaughtering black men across the country. Innocent black men. It's not happening. We, We went through the numbers of unarmed black men last year who were killed by police officers. And by the way, don't forget unarmed does not mean not dangerous, does not mean that the killing was not justified. But the number is not 90,000, not 900, not 90, it's nine. Nine. So that is a ridiculous conspiracy theory. And now cops are being killed because of that conspiracy theory all around the country. Twitter encouraging that, pushing it on, using the hashtag Black Lives Matter, which is used to organize those kind of violent riots by self-avowed trained Marxists. And then the third conspiracy theory that was allowed to percolate and still is that Donald Trump, the man we've known for 40 years, is actually a Manchurian candidate, a stooge for Russia. That's the most ridiculous conspiracy theory of all. That one was pushed by the DOJ, the FBI, big tech, the mainstream media, every mainstream publication. It's still being pushed, even though we now know for a fact it didn't happen because we had a two and a half year multi, multi-million dollar investigation from Bob Mueller came up with zilch. What about those? Con- I think those conspiracy theories, in particular, the Russia one have had a far greater outsized impact on the real world than some tweets about Q. Don't you think? I think so. And yet Twitter, everybody's only targeting those right wing conspiracies. This idea of the conspiracy theory, they always just throw it on the right. The left has many crazy conspiracy theories. They have many crazy theories in general. They think men can be women and they think babies aren't babies, but they're not treated in the same way. And even that category, that idea of going after the conspiracy theory is a way to push cockamamie left-wing theories and suppress right-wing theories. We will turn to some strange shenanigans, speaking of conspiracies, that do have a lot of evidence uh, over in Nashville. You've heard me talk yesterday. I mentioned that a friend of mine in Los Angeles went in to take a coronavirus test. The line was like two hours long, so she signed in, but she didn't take the test. She leaves, and then she gets a call a day or two later that said that she tested positive, but she obviously didn't test positive because she didn't take the test. Now, we've gotten people writing into this show who have said that multiple times. I've gotten probably three letters about that already. We know that Texas had to adjust some numbers, about 3,000 numbers or more of their positive coronavirus cases because the reporting was bad, because they were not actually confirmed cases. And now there's a guy in Nashville who went on the local news channel to talk about the same damn thing happened to him. I'm 100% 
100% sure that's what she said because she's looking right at it and she specifically told me, I'm right here in the system, that you're showing positive. She says, well, I'm still seeing that you're positive. Just courtesy call her, checking your symptoms. I don't know what's going on, but it's wrong. And then that, I'm just another number when I'm not. I like his take. He said, I don't know what's going on, but it's wrong. It's obviously wrong because the guy doesn't have coronavirus. When we think about this, does it have to be some elaborate conspiracy theory with the Illuminati and the Freemasons and, you know, no, not necessarily. I mean, obviously the, the reason that conspiracy theories take hold is that sometimes there are conspiracies. You know, I mean, we've been talking about Jeffrey Epstein recently, talk about a conspiracy theorem. That's one that was proven true. There actually was an international elite pedophile ring that had its own private island. And Jeffrey Epstein was the guy running it. Then Jeffrey Epstein, you know, didn't make it out of jail. And so they've got the other gal, Ghislaine Maxwell. But it it implicated very high level people. It implicated Bill Clinton, who flew on the Lolita Express multiple times. It implicated Prince Andrew. Implicated lots of people. People are trying to say it implicated Trump because Trump uh, knew Epstein in Palm Beach. And Palm Beach was a member, or uh, Epstein was a member of Mar-a-Lago. So I guess, I mean, even that doesn't look great. But he didn't fly on the jet quite like uh, Bill Clinton did. Anyway, it involved a lot of upper level people and that's how conspiracy theories take hold. I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is the gaslighting. It's a slight distinction. The conspiracy theory has this whole elaborate system. What the gaslighting is, is when the left just lies to you, when they tell you not to believe your own lion eyes. And that is what they're doing right now, particularly on coronavirus. Andrew Cuomo, who handled this coronavirus worse than any governor in the country and whose policies are responsible for thousands of senior citizen deaths. Andrew Cuomo had the audacity to sit in front of a news conference and say that now New York not only is handling this virus better than anybody, but that people are fleeing other states to come to New York. The problem is you have it increasing now in 40 states across the nation. How do you keep the virus in 40 states coming from New York? We now have people coming to New York fleeing the other states because it's the quote unquote safe state. So we have people coming here just for the purpose of fleeing the virus in their state. I think I have a little insight into what Andy Cuomo is doing here because I happen to be a New Yorker of Italian uh, extraction, just like, just like Andy Cuomo. There's a little bit of an exaggeration factor that goes on here when New Yorkers are BSing. So what he's trying to say is, I'm not responsible for thousands of people's deaths. I know that New York handled this worse than anybody, but please don't blame me. That's what he's trying to say. So what he, he has to push a little too far. So he says, oh yeah, New York's doing great. Yeah, New York's doing better than anybody. Actually, actually, you want to know what I hear from people? People tell me all the time, they say they're coming to New York. Oh yeah, they can't, they want to leave all their safe states and come where the virus is because of how good we're doing. Oh yeah, it's the, it's like the whole thing of like, this is the best pizza ever in the history of the world. You can't, you think, you think that there has ever been a pizza better than the pizza at my pizza shop? Never, never, ever. Not in Naples, not anywhere, not at any time. Historians will write about this pizza. It's that kind of exaggeration factor. Trump does it a little bit himself, but he's not doing it on important matters of policy. Trump will will do that kind of thing when he's talking about crowd sizes, things that are kind of tangential to a story. Andy Cuomo is doing that when we're talking about the actual epidemic. And it obviously erodes trust in institutions and it erodes trust in politicians. And it's the reason that a lot of cockamamie theories take hold. 
Uh, we will get to some more deception and gaslighting in New York. But first, I've got to thank our friends over at Rock Auto. You know, it can be very frustrating when you just need to get a simple thing fixed on your car and it can take hours or days or lots of headaches or too much money. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best thing here, this is my favorite part, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So sometimes you go into the brick-and-mortar store, and then you need a part, and they don't have the part, and they order it online, probably from rockauto.com. Then it comes in, they charge you twice as much. You don't need that. For me, someone like me, I don't know very much about cars, but my cars do break sometimes. The rockauto.com catalog is so easy to navigate that even I can do it. Extraordinarily impressive. They have a great selection. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. More deception in New York. A little bit, I guess. This is some good news. This is a little bit of a silver lining of our statue-toppling culture right now. But I think it's to serve dishonest ends. Since the beginning of the statue toppling, we've said, okay, if you're going to tear down George Washington, because he was a bad guy, you're going to tear down Thomas Jefferson, because he was a bad guy. How come nobody's tearing down Margaret Sanger? Margaret Sanger was the founder of Planned Parenthood, the eugenicist who said very terrible things about, on, on issues of race, for one, but also just on issues of human development. She talked about how we need to get rid of people who are you know, mentally handicapped or people who have disabilities because they're undesirable. So Planned Parenthood has this problem because Margaret Sanger founded them. They still live out her philosophy and uh, her name is on a number of buildings. So the New York Planned Parenthood has disavowed Margaret Sanger over genetics. Here's the New York Times story on this. Ms. Sanger, a feminist icon and reproductive rights pioneer, supported a discredited belief in improving the human race through selective breeding. The problem is that Planned Parenthood may have torn down the statue, but they still support that theory. In fact, that's the only thing they support. That's the whole point of Planned Parenthood, improving the race, the human race, through selective breeding, either improving the human race by liberating women from the shackles and bondage of motherhood. That's one way that they think they're improving the human race. And the other way they're, they think they're improving the human race is by killing undesirable babies. Undesirable, that's the same word that Margaret Sanger used, right? Maybe these babies are undesirable because the mothers, one, because they, they might have some birth defects or because the mothers don't like the fathers or just because they don't want them because the babies are unwanted. Selective breeding. That's the phrase that is, you know, absolutely unthinkable today, and that's why the New York Times thinks they tore down the statue. Selective breeding just means planned parenthood. Planned parenthood means selective breeding. Planned means selective. It's not all happening at once. It's not totally arbitrary. You're choosing it. Breeding is parenthood. It's a kind of inhuman way to talk about parenthood, but that's the, it is exactly what it means. They haven't changed a damn thing. 
They're not tearing down the statue because they want to change something. The, the radicals on the streets of America are tearing down George Washington because they want to fundamentally change America and get rid of George Washington's ideas. And by taking down our admiration of George Washington, change the way that we think about ourselves and how the country should be run. The people taking down Margaret Sanger's name at the Planned Parenthood in New York want to preserve exactly her mission. They don't want to change anything. They just want to deceive you. That's it. You know, Margaret Sanger at least was honest about what she thought and what she wanted to do. Here, Planned Parenthood has the same eugenics policy. They just, they just are dishonest about it. That probably won't be taught in schools. Something tells me. People, people are taught, especially I went to school in New York, right? Went to K through 12 in New York. Margaret Sanger is taught as this wonderful pioneer, feminist icon, all the same stuff the New York Times was using to describe her. That will probably not be taught in schools. Though, there will be a lot more radicalism taught in schools if Joe Biden gets elected president. Because Joe Biden, this guy appears on camera, what, once every few days from the comfort of his living room. It could easily be edited. It could easily be, be uh, massaged so he doesn't put his foot in his mouth. And he still manages to do it. Most recently, by saying that he wants, as part of his campaign platform, he wants the Islamic faith to be taught in schools. Look, one of the things I think is important, I wish, I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islamic faith. I wish we talked about all the great confessional faiths. It's one of the great confessional faiths. And what people don't realize is one of my avocation is theology, don't realize is that we, we all come from the same root here in terms of our fundamental basic beliefs. And uh, I just want to thank you for... Uh, for giving me the opportunity, for being engaged, for committing uh, to action this November. You're doing what's been, uh, that's, uh, that's never been done before. You're registering and turning out one million Muslim voters this November. There we go. I was wondering, where did Joe Biden get this recent love of Islam from? Where did, since, since when is Joe Biden trying to set up madrasas all over the country? Oh, it's because he's pandering for votes as he always is. So he says, we want to turn out a million Muslim voters and you got to vote for me. And I want the Islamic faith taught in schools. Consider the absurdity that we have come to. It is unconstitutional to teach the Bible in schools, which means it's unconstitutional to teach Christianity in schools. Can't teach Christianity without reference to the Bible. It's not possible. So as of the mid 20th century, when the Supreme Court decided to legislate from the bench and, and say that it's unconstitutional to teach the Bible in schools, and yet it's now being encouraged to teach Islam in schools. And this is the way it works. I remember even when I was in high school and, and middle school, long, long ago, not that long ago, in New York, we were taught much more about Islam than we were about Christianity. We were taught much more about Islamic history than we were about Christian history. We were taught much more about the Middle East than we were taught about European history. The European history course was an elective. You had to, you had to choose to take that. But the world history course, which focused heavily on Islam, was required for two years. This is already happening. It's not, it's not going to be Joe Biden who, you know, his, Joe Biden's pandering for votes that, that is going to get this across the finish line. There is a major double standard here. Some people have said, well, Michael, they're just teaching about the faith. Sure, but, right, but they're not teaching about the Christian faith because you can't teach about a faith without some reference to its source texts, right? So you can you say, no Bible, but yeah, we got to read the Hadiths. I, I don't think so. There's this double standard. It's a double standard being leveled on 
on how we teach faith and religion, how we respond to our historical figures, how we build up statues and monuments, even on how we deal with conspiracy theories. There's a double standard. Anything the right does is bad. Anything the left does is good. Anything the left wants is good. And the effect on our schools isn't just on the curriculum. It's on the teachers themselves. Even a teacher who all this teacher said was to observe that Donald Trump is, is our president. And that teacher got fired. We will get to that story in just one second. First though, I've got to thank our friends over at Ancestry. I love learning about my family history and where my family came from. As history is being erased all around us, it's very edifying to take a little bit of control and hold over your own history. Learn the story yourself. An Ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. You could find a famous relative. You could maybe find a photo of your great-grandma as a little girl. Whatever you find, it is sure to change the way you look at your family history and therefore the way you look at yourself. I, I love Ancestry. I've been using Ancestry since before the Daily Wire even existed. I think genealogy is a terrific hobby. I love doing it, especially for people who are a little more history inclined. You know, you, you, you just, and even for people who aren't, by the way, it will get you excited about history because it's about your own family history. Uh, right now, start exploring your family history. Head over to my URL, ancestry.com slash Knowles to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That is ancestry.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. A teacher has been fired at the Wald Lake School District, just 30 miles northwest of Detroit, not for saying anything crazy and outrageous and offensive or conspiratorial, not for even offering his political preference, though as you know, many teachers talk about their political preferences all the time. He simply observed the fact that Donald Trump is the president. Here's the quote. He tweeted out, I'm done being silent. Donald Trump is our president. Don't at me. <laughs> you know, don't, don't come at me. Don't attack me for that. If you now say Donald Trump is the president at this high school outside of Detroit, you could be fired. Here's what one parent said about it. It kind of gives up the whole game. Kind of shows us the lesson of how to deal with this. This parent who was quoted uh, by the Washington Free Beacon said, quote, Justin coached my son his entire high school career and also was his AP history teacher and student leadership teacher for two years. I know Justin very well. If there's one thing that I would commend Justin for is he always tried to stay apolitical. He always tried to stay right down the middle, avoid political conversations and let the students make their own call based on their own life experiences. Well, that's why. That's why. That's what we don't get. That's what people on the right just cannot understand. If you stand in the middle, if you are quiet about your views, if you don't attack people for their political views, you think that you're being coy. If you don't voice your opinion on Trump around the water cooler, you think you're being coy. You think you're playing it straight. You're not. You are outing yourself as a conservative. Because that, that old idea of keep your mouth shut about politics is not the way the left is operating right now. This is why in Hollywood, the left is always making these professions of faith to leftism. I, I think a lot of the time, it's not even because they want to. It's because there's so much pressure to. If you are not constantly professing 
your great adherence to leftism, then you are assumed to be a conservative. Actually, speaking of Hollywood, that's how you can always tell the Hollywood conservatives. The, The guy who's quiet on set about politics, the guy who's quiet backstage about politics, that's the conservative 99 times out of 100. I could, I could guarantee, I, I would put a lot of money down and say the guy who's, who's quiet and doesn't engage in those political conversations in Hollywood, that guy voted for Trump. We can't remain in this defensive position. The left is not going to allow us to remain in this defensive position. They're not going to allow us to play by the old rules. The left was happy to play by these rules of neutrality and free speech when they were a political minority. That's why the left pushed the free speech movement in the 1960s and 70s. Why did they do that? Is is it because they loved free speech? No, it's because their anti-American subversion was being silenced. (laughs) Rightly so in many cases. And so they pretended to care about this principle of free speech. And then the moment that they became the dominant cultural force, they quashed free speech for everybody else. We can't just go right back to that neutral playing ground. It doesn't exist. And frankly, it probably never existed. If this teacher in, outside of Detroit, if he had taught the lies of the 1619 Project, if he had taught the demonstrated lie that the New York Times has peddled to the tune of $3 million and won a Pulitzer for, that America was founded explicitly to protect slavery, that teacher probably would have gotten a promotion. But because he told a simple and obvious truth, he lost his job. That, that is a conspiracy. <laughs> you know, that's not a, it's not a conspiracy theory. We can see it before our own eyes. I think some people are drawn like moths to a flame to these kind of crazy, intricate conspiracy theories because they're kind of fun to engage in. They're signs of an active mind, right? You put, it's like playing a puzzle, right? You put all these pieces together. The real conspiracies are right, right in front of our eyes. The FBI and the DOJ abuse their power to try to subvert the the Trump campaign and, and the 2016 election. We know that. That's a big conspiracy theory. Conservatives in public education or in academia are discriminated against. We know that. It's, it's a conspiracy theorem. We see it right before our eyes. It's a little less saucy than some of the more intricate stuff, but that's where the battle is really being waged. Here's another conspiracy theory that the left, or rather, that's, that's a conspiracy theory that the left is pushing, that there is this epidemic of racist cops gunning down unarmed innocent black men around the country. Maxine Waters, one of the craziest and most dangerous members of Congress, Maxine Waters, who called for leftist mobs to attack conservatives in public just a few years ago. Maxine Waters pulled over her car recently because she saw a traffic stop and she got out of her car in the middle of the road and started yelling at the cops because the cops had pulled over a black man in a car. You pull it over! Oh, okay. So they say I, I'm in the wrong place so they're going to give me a ticket. That's okay. As long as I watch them. Gotta do what they gotta uh, do. Make sure. Uh, uh, All right. <laughs> so that video being filmed by the people who were pulled over and you see these cops, they're on the side and they threatened Maxine Waters. They said, you can't just leave your car in the middle of the road and get out and start yelling at us. We, we might give you a ticket. And then she flexed her political power and they just let her off with a warning. How outrageously disrespectful for the civil authority to come out and start screaming at 
the law enforcement officers, without any evidence that they're doing anything wrong, just based on a fiction that there is this epidemic of racist cops killing black men around the country. Maxine Waters explained to TMZ what she was thinking. She said, my first thought was, not again, not one more killing. And I'm reflecting on all of the killings of young black men in particular, but of course, black women too, at the hands of the police and at the hands of these white supremacists. And I'm thinking about the way that the president conducts himself in a way he's dog whistling. And I think that they're feeling that they can get away with this kind of treatment. And I'm just so sorry about the loss of another life. Nothing that woman said is true. The only thing that's true is that she felt it, but nothing that she's saying she felt is true. It's, it is a, that, the conspiracy theory she's peddling there is a lot crazier than anything about Mr. Q, okay? And Twitter is not going to take that down. They're not going to take down Maxine Waters. But it's so calumnious. It's so outrageous to say that our, our cops are all killers. Very, very few, single digits we're talking about officer-involved killings of unarmed black men. And when you go through those cases, very often those killings were justified because you don't need to be holding a gun to pose a serious threat to a cop. Are they going to, they're going to take down Maxine Waters? I don't think so. Meanwhile, while we talk about the BLM movement, or I suppose while we don't talk about the BLM movement, BLM racks up another body count. They killed another person in a major fire that was lit during the first riots in Minneapolis. We will get to that in one second. And then we will get to the threat, the implicit threat from the left at the bottom of all of this. First though, I've got to thank you. Be sure to hit that bell and check out the exclusive content posted on the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. We've got, we've got one up there right now, which is the best of the worst TikTok videos. We also have a backstage coming up this Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. So be sure to check that out and then get Ben's book. Do I have a copy of it? No, because I was reading it yesterday. Ben has uh, a new book out. It's called How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. He did a live signing about it yesterday that I was hosting. You can pick it up at Amazon or Barnes & Noble right now. Check it out and also get a Daily Wire Reader's Pass. One buck for the first month and then three bucks a month after that. You get access to our mobile app, articles ad-free, access to exclusive editorials. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. BLM racked up another dead body of people killed by the BLM riots. Uh, the Star Tribune in Minneapolis reported that they found a charred body of an unidentified man within the wreckage of a Minneapolis pawn shop on Monday. This was following the torching of that establishment at the end of May. The man who was found dead is Chuck Horton Jr., 43-year-old black male, Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's another death. Sorry. There were two deaths. The first one was in the pawn shop killed by BLM rioters. The second one is Chuck Horton Jr., 43 year old black male who lay on the sidewalk in front of the Cadillac pawn shop with a gunshot wound to his torso. He was not breathing. A crowd of noisy protest, pe- protesters gathered around, but they didn't help him. They just put him on video with their phones and speculated about what took place. All those wonderful, peaceful protesters watched a man who had been killed by the riots, bleeding out, dying on the sidewalk. Actually, it was a cop who knelt down by the man 
and performed CPR, while a second cop waved off the protesters who were not only doing nothing, they were streaming the death of a man on, on the internet. But the cops are the bad guys and the peaceful riders are the good guys. That's, that's a conspiracy theory. Where's that one? Does that one get kicked off Twitter? I don't think so. Then the implicit threat. People didn't realize this was a threat, but it's a threat. This was in the New York Times. It's written by Mimi Swartz. Stay safe, Justice Ginsburg. This summer has been hard enough. First line, the only word to describe life here right now is this, hell. Talks about the pandemic and the riots and all the craziness. Hell. Yeah, life has been a little tough for a lot of people for the last few months because the left shut down our country and our economy for no reason on the basis of no scientific mandate to, to indefinitely lock down the country. Then they torched the whole country and burned it to the ground. And then where they had positions of political power told the cops not to stop the torching of the country and the killing of people. So it's, yeah, it's been pretty bad. And then you get down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven paragraphs before you get to the point of this op-ed. She writes, quote, of course, one of the few people standing between us and chaos is Justice Ginsburg, the anti-Trump, the benevolent, if steely matriarch, to stop all this craziness from going on further. You see that? One of the few people standing between us and chaos is Ginsburg. Is that a description or is that a prescription? Is that a warning or is that a threat? The idea being, if Justice Ginsburg dies, if there's a vacancy on the court, the country will descend into madness because that will be the straw that broke the camel's back and we'll have, I would say, outright conflict. We already have that in the streets, but we'd have more conflict. That's what the left is telling us. They're, they're saying, don't push it. Don't defend the cops. Don't defend your statues. Don't defend your lives or property like the McCloskeys in St. Louis, or we will arrest you or we'll send mobs to go get you. The New York Times almost sent a mob to Tucker Carlson's house just the other day. He actually preempted them on it and, and stopped them from doing it. Maxine Waters sent mobs to go after conservatives in public. It's a threat. They are, they're, when they take down the conspiracy theories from the internet, they say, well, this might cause harm to people, so we have to silence anybody to the right of Hillary Clinton. You people are calling for mobs against conservatives. That is calling for, they don't care at all about what violence might happen online. They only care if there's violence or if there's speech even that will undermine their position. That is the threat. Well, meanwhile, hopefully, thankfully, some people are finally pushing back. The Department of Homeland Security is finally going at, as the madness in Portland and the Pacific Northwest continues to rage. I mean, looking like scenes from a third world country. Finally, the Department of Homeland Security is picking up the slack where the local law enforcement and the local civil authority is not. They are sending in people to arrest the anarchists. Uh, the DHS secretary came on to describe this uh, on uh, Martha McCallum's show just the other night and he's being lambasted for it, they are saying, the left is saying that this guy has absolutely no right to do what he's doing. Anytime that you attack a federal facility, such as a courthouse there in Portland, uh, that is a, a federal crime. Uh, attacking federal police officers, law enforcement officers, which they have done for 52 nights in a row, is a federal crime. And so the department, because we don't have that local support, that local law enforcement support, we are having to go out and proactively arrest individuals. And, and, and we need to do that because we need to hold them accountable. 
This idea that they can attack federal property and law enforcement officers and go to the other side of the street and say, you can't touch me, is ridiculous. We don't do that in any other type of law enforcement. We pursue a criminal. We investigate. Uh, we pull them over if you have probable cause. Uh, we arrest them. We charge them and we prosecute them. And you need to hold inv individuals accountable. And when we don't do that, I think we get what we see in Portland today. Did he say anything objectionable? No, of course not. And yet this was a top trend on Twitter yesterday because the left was saying that this was like minority report. He was going to go out and arrest people before they committed crimes, which reminds me that the left apparently doesn't know the meaning of the word proactive. Proact he says proactively arresting people. The feds are proactively arresting people not because they haven't committed crimes yet, but because the local law enforcement will not arrest them. They're not permitted to arrest them. So rather than having local law enforcement arrest these people, and then if it's a federal crime, the feds come in, the feds are just going straight in and doing that. It's not, it's not preemptively arresting them before they commit a crime. It's proactively arresting them. And of course, that needs to happen. We do not want our city streets in America to look like some tin pot dictatorship, which is what they do right now. How crazy is that? That the left, which pretends to uh, care about violence, which is trying to, to suppress conservatives on Twitter, they're using this little excuse of the Q story to go after what I suspect will be many, many more people who are to the right of Hillary Clinton. They're, they're doing all of that in the name of s stopping violence. And yet the minute that a cop actually goes out and tries to stop the riots that are going on in the street that are killing people, they cry foul. They say, you're absolutely not allowed to do this. Keith Ellison, attorney general in, in Minnesota. Keith Ellison, former vice chairman of the Democratic National Committee. Keith Ellison, former congressman, just came out while discussing how law enforcement is going to move into the future and said that rapists should not be arrested for their crimes. We should not put resources into getting cops to arrest rapists after they do what they do. If you're a woman who's been a victim of a sexual assault and the assailant is ran away, wouldn't you rather talk to somebody who is trained in helping you deal with what you're dealing with, as opposed to somebody whose main training is that they know how to use a firearm, right? The Ellison defenders, the leftists who are defending this guy, are trying to say now that he, he's not talking about stopping cops from arresting rapists. He's just saying, in addition to all of that, we're going to have some trained therapists or social workers to come and help the victim. That's not what he said. He said, wouldn't you rather a therapist or social worker comes up and treats you as opposed to, not in addition to, as opposed to a cop going out and getting the rapist? They want the cities to burn. They want rapists to run free. They want any number of dangerous theories to percolate all around the country. They want you to not be civil with people on the other side of the aisle. They want leftists not to be civil with conservatives. That's what Hillary Clinton said. They want leftists to mob conservatives in public and at their home where their children sleep. That's what Maxine Waters said. They want all that sort of stuff all in the name of peace and stopping the violence. And what, is the, what does the right do? We try to play by some neutral standard. We think it's going to be applied fairly. 
we don't want to play their game or engage in the way that they're doing it. When you are in battle, real battle or, or political battle, your opponent gets a say. And if you are not fighting the real facts on the ground, if you're not dealing with the, the realities of that battle, if you're fighting some imaginary battle that you wish you were fighting, you're going to lose. If, if your opponent is aggressing on you and you're living in a fantasy world where everything is neutral, you are going to lose. We need to engage on the terms that the left is foisting on us. I'll give you a great example of this. Great example of this yesterday. A reporter was said to have possibly referred to our beloved press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, who makes the national heart go pitter-patter as a lying B-I-T-C-H. Now, you could hear it on the audio. Uh, we all thought it happened for a moment, and this became a big story on Twitter. Take a listen and see what you hear. But I encourage you to read the op-ed. Yes. On the China vaccine research, this yes. is very You've gotten two questions, which is more than some of your colleagues. Yes. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, okay, you don't mind it. Okay, did you hear that at the end? Okay, you're a lying witch. Something like that. Is that, that's, that's what I heard the first time. And this kind of went around the internet and some conservative publications were pushing this and conservative blue check marks were pushing this. But then someone pointed out that it's actually, if you slow it down, that's not what she said. She said, okay, you don't want to engage. Now, initially I thought this was a, a ridiculous excuse. So we slowed it down. Take a listen. More than some of your colleagues. Yes. As much as it pains me, I tried to listen. I tried to make sure that I was not giving this woman too much credit, Kimberly Halkett at Al Jazeera. I think that's true. I, I actually think when you slow it down, she did say, okay, you don't want to engage. It sounded like you're a lying, you know what, in person. And surely the press thinks that about Kaylee McEnany. But in all fairness, I don't think that's what she said. Here's the double standard. When it turned out that that's not what she said, then all the people who were spreading this, or at least a great, great number of them, took it down. Conservatives deleted the tweets. Jack Posobiec, Eddie Zipper, the conservative publications that were pushing this around. They took it down. And uh, frankly, they didn't even assert, many of them at first, that that is what the reporter said. They just raised the question, is this what the reporter said? And still they took it down. I only noticed this because when I saw it happen, I tweeted out a joke about, uh, I was quoting this old political philosophy book about how no one should ever use a, a course word at Kaylee McEnany. And so I said, but then I saw the tweet was deleted and I said, okay, that's good. Conservatives are being fair about this. The left would never be fair. Would the left ever take down their tweets? Would the left ever back off that lie that they said about a conservative? No, of course not. And in fact, we know that they don't. A, a perfectly ex exemplary lie. Donald Trump called white supremacists and neo-Nazis very fine people at Charlottesville. That has become part of the leftist gospel. Joe Biden launched his campaign on that lie. That was the first part of the first campaign ad to launch his campaign. And it's not true. You can look one paragraph down. Trump explicitly says in Charlottesville, I'm not talking about neo-Nazis and white supremacists. They should be condemned totally. And yet that lie moves on. Now, I like that conservatives tell the truth. I think we should continue to tell the truth. But we should not accept any leftist premise that there is some sort of moral equivalence here. We should tell the truth. We should, we should 
not push fake news. We should not push conspiracy theories that are not true. We should tell the truth, but we should stick by our side because these are not fair games. There is no moral equivalence here between Trump and Biden, between right and left, between Republican and Democrat. They are not the same. They are not playing by the same rules. They're not pushing for the same goods. The left wants to destroy this country and they're doing it right now with torches, while pulling down statues, while knocking down buildings. The right is trying to build up that country again. And we should not pretend that the stakes are any lower than that. George Will, considered one of the great conservative columnists. He's been a conservative for a very long time. George Will has come out and endorsed Joe Biden. Who do you plan to vote for in November? Biden. Biden. Oh, yes. Have you voted Have you voted for a Democrat before? Never. First time you've ever voted for a Democrat for president. That's right. Although when I first came to Washington in 1970 <clears throat> to work on the Senate staff, my first political hero, as it were, was a senator, a Democratic senator, was Scoop Jackson of Washington. Uh, I was working on the Senate staff for a Republican, uh, Gordon Ellett of Colorado. As I said earlier, my best friend was Senator from New York, Pat Moynihan. So I have nothing against Democrats, but uh, I've never had the occasion to vote for one. This year I will. This year he will. How will this conservative columnist, when the stakes are so high, choose this to be the year that he votes for the Democrat who will empower all the people destroying the country? few reasons. One, Will in recent years has become much more libertarian, not conservative. He's moved away from conservatism toward libertarianism, which it brings you much closer over to liberalism or much more likely to side with liberals. Will has always been a little out of step with conservatism. He's rejected key conservative thinkers and figures. Will is an atheist. Will has been in Washington, as he notes, for a very long time, which has this habit of making people a little bit more liberal. Will doesn't see the stakes here. He do, even if he sees the stakes, he doesn't see the double standard. Because what he sees in Trump is this crass, vulgar person who tells the occasional exaggeration, he'd probably call it a lie, who doesn't have respect for our norms and traditions. Let's say that all of that is true. Let's say all of that is true. Will might be right about that. What he's wrong about is that the Democrats are doing all of those things so much more so. The Democrats much, much, much more vulgar and crass. Even Joe Biden himself has been vulgar and crass at many times. Joe Biden has told many more lies than Donald Trump, deeper lies. And the left right now broadly, which Biden would be empowering, is telling extraordinarily deep lies. Like America was rotten and evil from the beginning. The cops are slaughtering innocent black men. The list goes on and on. That the 2016 election was illegitimate, right? The crazy conspiracies on the right. There are many more crazy conspiracies on the left. It's not that the critics of the right are wrong. They're just not seeing how much more egregious every terrible thing that you could say about Trump or about the right is on the left and applies to Joe Biden. Especially this issue of the conspiracy theories is really, really bugging me. Because they, they, increasingly, you'll notice they hurl this on the right. If you look at right-wing figures and conservatives and thinkers and things like that, increasingly they're adding the phrase conspiracy theorists to their bios, to their Wikipedia pages, even people who are as mainstream as they come. Why are they doing this? 
to distract from the fact that the left is foisting some serious conspiracy theories on the country themselves. I, I think of this as the tinfoil hat trick. Three in a row. They, they convinced the country that Trump was a Manchurian candidate, a spy for Russia, for goodness sakes. Then they convinced us that we had to shut down the economy indefinitely for this Chinese virus, where other countries around the world are not shutting down indefinitely. And I think indefinite means until the November election. Now they're trying to convince us that we don't need any kind of presidential campaign at all. There can be no debates had, whether literal presidential debates or broader debates about who should win. No campaign rallies, no nothing. So that Biden has a better chance of getting elected because the guy can't form a coherent English sentence. So they're locking him in his basement and convincing us we can't have a campaign. That's what the doctor ordered so that they can get him into the White House in 2020. Those conspiracy theories, much more egregious, much more dangerous, have a far greater public impact than any that you see crop up on the right. Those are the ones that we should push down. Those are the ones we have to fight back against. And they're going to call us all sorts of names when we fight back against them. Doesn't matter. Those are the stakes. Don't worry as much about the criticisms that they're leveling at your side when all of those criticisms apply so much more to their own. The stakes are very, very high. Now is not the time to let them delude you. That's our show. Get your mailbag questions in for tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you then. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Well, we now have two clearly defined sides. One says chaos and violence are what democracy looks like. Then comes Trump. We'll talk about that and we'll have the mailbag. So we'll solve every problem you ever thought of even having on The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs>